Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of the Computer Business Marketing Show. Today's episode is brought to you by TechSite Builder. TechSite Builder is a hosted website builder that allows you to quickly and easily get a clean and professional website up and running for your computer or tech-focused business. Save time and frustration with TechSite Builder. Learn more at TechSiteBuilder.com. And it's brought to you by the DC Unconvention 2017, the second annual conference for IT business owners. Learn from fellow techs and business owners, get business strategies that work in the real world, and discover new tech. Learn more at unconvention.io. All right, guys, today is another episode that's helmed by Paco LeBron. He's got a lot of awesome stuff in store for you. I'm still gone, but I'll be back next week. So until then, check out what Paco has for you coming up right now. Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Computer Business Marketing Show. If you own or work in an IT services business, this is this this is the place to learn how to get more clients, keep them happy, and grow your revenue. You can watch, download, and or subscribe to all show episodes at computerbusinessmarketing.com. You can catch our live stream on Facebook every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just be sure to like the Tech Site Builder Facebook page. Click the following tab and then select See First so that the live stream will jump to the top of your feed. Again, this week we do not have a live streaming episode, but we will start again with live streams next week. Uh, and the, the first live stream that we'll have coming back to you is July 12th. So definitely stick around for that. In the meantime, I'm just going to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. And then uh, we're going to jump into the episode that Paco has lined up for you. So first of us, first of all, just want to mention TechSite Builder. TechSite Builder is the place to go if you want to get a clean and professional website up and running for your computer or tech-focused business. It's very affordable. Uh, you just jump on there and we give you all the tools you need to build an awesome website for your computer business. Also, we know you guys are busy, so if you don't have time to build out the website yourself, we can do it for you, again, for a very reasonable additional fee. So really, we can take care of as much or as little as you want. We give the power to you with TechSite Builder. So check it out. Head on over to TechSiteBuilder.com. Our other sponsor is the DC Unconvention 2017. This is the conference for IT business owners. We're going to be having this in Washington, D.C. in September 16th and 17th. we got a lot of awesome events lined up for you. we got some great sponsors, including Malwarebytes. We've got uh, some awesome labs for you to work through um, that teach you how to do things like networking, uh, SEO, um, compliance, a uh, bunch of different things that you might want to uh, learn, um, including like the different tools you can use. So a lot of cool hands-on things you'll learn in the labs. We've got some group um, discussions that are going to be going on where you kind of get together in a mini mastermind and talk about what's working for you with things like pricing, productivity, and uh, marketing and figure out you know what's working for you, what's working for everybody else, and then you all come together and come up with some action plans in order to uh, grow your business. So those two things are worth the price of admission right there, but we got a lot more for you. We also include breakfast and lunch, and we have some awesome speakers lined up for you, and we have some awesome vendors there to show you their latest, uh, the latest stuff that they got going on. So all that is happening at the Unconvention, plus you're just blocks away from all the awesome museums and monuments in Washington, D.C., so you can make a vacation out of it. Head on over to unconvention.io to learn more. 
All right, guys, let's see what Paco has in store for you in this episode of the Computer Business Marketing Show. And I'll be back with you guys next week. Until then, have fun. Bye. Hey, everyone. Hope you all had a great 4th of July weekend and day. Again, this is Paco LeBron, your Chicago tech. And as we are aware, Matt is not with us today. But the show must go on. So what I went ahead and did was grab another big hitter. I went ahead and brought on the one, the only, Jeff Hallish. Uh, for those that don't know, he'll introduce himself in a bit here. But if you don't, shame on you because you should be a part of the community. <laughs> and uh, you should know exactly who Jeff is. And Jeff, I appreciate you coming out. No problem. Thanks for having me. Good, good. And so essentially, as everyone knows, with Matt being gone, he's serving in the National Guard duty weekend or um, his two uh, weeks that he has to do in the summer. Once that time comes around, guess who has the keys to the asylum? So essentially, it's going to be an off format show. So we're going to go through a couple things as you heard through the intro. Matt has no idea what I'm doing, and I like to keep it that way to keep the spontaneity. But I want to kind of go into kind of what we've been doing, or we being myself and my business for the last uh, week since we've last spoke. Um, I've gone ahead and done a lot of just following up with clients. Uh, things I've been really uh, working through, gone through with a couple people, and really trying to close a lot of prospects that I've had uh, that have been kind of floating around. So working on that, also working on figuring out our workflow to be a little bit better. And But what I mean by that is trying to figure out the after-hour support. Uh, essentially, what ended up happening was over the weekend, uh, I think it was Saturday, we had a client give us a call. The message was – so let me back up. So essentially, what how we have our phone system set up is we have a main phone system that I have with 8x8. And from 8x8, I have it transfer over to Regis, which is the virtual office that I rent from. Now, the package that I have available for me is they will answer my phone during business hours, which is 8.30 to 5, and that's Monday through Friday. After 5 o'clock or when it's in the weekends, essentially, my voicemail will take over because of the schedule I set in 8 by 8. If anybody leaves a voicemail, if no one answered on 8.30 by 5, a voicemail is left in their system. Now, as I kind of discussed later, or I'm sorry, earlier last week, the issue I had was there's kind of a couple things going on where you have my intro voice when you give a call in, when it's our system, it's a Fiverr recording that I had uh, recorded back in maybe two years ago. And then with the Regis, it's just an automated, hey, you've reached us, please leave a message at the beep. So I need to kind of fix all that. But essentially the call that came in, stated, hey, I have this issue with this problem. Just need to know if you guys are open. Would be great to hear back from you, which I kind of was a little befuddled because our voicemail says we're closed. So I don't know (laughs) how that was not as clear to say that we were not closed. But I think what I'm going to end up doing is, and I think I've discussed this with Jeff a little bit earlier on, was figuring out a way or just putting on a message on the voicemail that says, hey, we are closed. However, there is a possibility of scheduling you for an appointment. Please contact us and we'll see. We'll try and get back to you as soon as possible. Because I feel that if we were to go ahead and do that, we'd leave some money on the table, especially for those that are brought in with our Google AdWords, because I have that on all the time instead of scheduled out, because I feel that it would leave some, or let me phrase that. 
I was informed that I would be leaving money on the table uh, at, from my uh, Google AdWords guru that I speak to often. <laughs> hint, hint, nudge, nudge. But um, essentially what I was trying to figure out is how do I go about that? And being that I'm now shifting from the mindset of a part-time business owner to full-time business owner, is that something that I want to set now or do I wait till I have enough work to make that change? So I, I kind of got a double-edged sword going on. And Jeff, I know when we have spoke about it before, you know, it's a little bit different depending on what you have as your responsibilities. But I think with on your end, you technically don't charge more for after hours and weekends because essentially that's the time you can actually work with your business. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. And I know that my business has morphed and changed over time. One of the things that I look at is how busy do I want to be as a part-time business owner, part-time tech? And a lot of times I'll look at that and go, well, uh, there's work that I can do on the weekends, but I want to do it at my own leisure. So a lot of things that I've been doing is I'll have drop-offs and pickups during the week and it will leave my weekends open. Now that doesn't mean that I have something here in my office that I'm working on on the weekend, but I can usually do something else like, I don't know, play a video game, watch a movie while I'm doing certain tasks in here. And then a lot of times I'll get a hold of the customer back during the week so that they can come and pick up their computer after that point and we can do more drop-offs and stuff like that. Depending on the customer, depending on how available I want to be is all going to be dependent on my mood, I guess. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> How I'm feeling this week, that week. So yeah, no, I I, I do change things over time. Um, and if anybody wanted something done, I do have an emergency rate. Oh, okay. Where, so you do have something set for emergencies. Yeah, but that would be like, you need it done right now. Because right now, my turnaround time is going to be probably closer to 72 hours instead of 24 to 48, which back in the day I used to pull my hair out, which that's why I don't have much left (laughs) because I would try to be a quick turnaround person and do all this great stuff and have the customers coming back. Then I started to realize that there were way more people going to big box stores that were literally waiting weeks to get their computers back. So me having it for three days not a big deal. And I think once I realize that, I go, wait a minute, whose time is more important, mine or my customers? And absolutely, as a business owner or a person in charge, your time is more valuable than the customers. Because if you have if you have this insane pace that you're trying to keep up with, and you're just trying to douse all the fires all the time, you're going to wear yourself out and you're not going to be as good as you can be. No, and you make a good point where you even said it'll take me about 70, close to 72 hours to get a turnaround. And that's something I learned very early on where I used to tell them specifically, hey, I'll have it done next day or I'll have it done in 24 hours. Same as you. I just found that I just, there were times that I just could not keep up with that expectation and it would catch me in, or it would put me in a lot of hot water. So what I've done is now given a lot of ranges for a lot of my business, whether it's time, pricing, Etc. Because people are more open to ranges, and you can decide where you want to be in that range in any aspect of your business. So, and for example, now I have a forty-eight hour turnaround time to let them know what is going on with the computer 
versus having the total repair done. So if I can't get to a day one, I have day two to look at it and let them know, hey, this is what's going on with the computer. This is what we want to do, approvals, et cetera. How do you want to move forward? And then the repair time gets added on top of that. So it's about a week or however long it takes, depending on the type of issue, especially when parts are involved. But it's a big piece to understand that setting that range that you're comfortable with, where if you were just right against the wall, is that range going to be best suited for you? So in this case, 72 hours, mine 48, or just whatever set for your business. And that's kind of what we are, at least I'm trying to figure out for the business as well, where you mentioned you have an emergency rate, which I kind of have similar for same day service. I hate doing same day service, uh, same day service. Um, but it's one of those where if depending on the type of issue, if I can get it done fast enough, because now I invested in that StarTech uh, du- hard drive duplicator, which uh, commonly known as the goblin in the community that have been on some of the uh, Facebook groups. And that gets a lot of stuff done a lot sooner. So that will help me in my same day service slash emergency rate. But when it comes to after hours and so forth, that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out right now. But outside of that, it just has been really just been business as normal. We've been trying to really uh, figure out how we want to take advantage of this month of July. And, you know, it's now six months in that I've been full time. So it's starting to get really interesting and just need to just keep on the pace and we'll keep everyone up to date as we go on. Now, as Uh, I was going to say too, Paco, just there are there is a caveat to what I said. Now, sometimes for after hours for businesses, a lot of times you have to go on site for the weekend. So that might change things a little bit for people as far as the times that you need to go on site when everybody else is not working. And True. sometimes those, those best times are going to be on the weekend. So you schedule those out and it's my same hourly rate. Again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to burn the midnight oil and stay up till midnight or anything like that, but I will go during the day and take care of what I need to take care of. Um, but a lot of stuff nowadays is done remotely, which right. makes my life a whole lot easier. Right. Yeah. And especially you want to use whatever tools are available to you because if you can, a like, and you made a good point. Like, for example, for impl- big, impl- bleh, big implementations. Man, I can't just talk today. Big implementations <laughs> that you have set, whether it be a full infrastructure rehaul, whether it's a system, Office, uh, Office three sixty five, hosted exchange, Google Apps migration, whatever it may be, you're going to have probably need to do that over after hours or during the weekend so that there's no impact to the business. So that's something to start thinking about whether that's included in your project rate because it is cutting into your free time. And for those that are just trying to get into the business, just keep that in mind as you start to move forward and expand out that you at least keep some time available to yourself because if you start burning the candle at both ends, you eventually will burn out. That's uh, my point on that part, and I know that we talked about Facebook a little bit earlier on as far as some of the groups. One of the groups you should be joining is the Computer Business Marketing Group, and if you don't know what that is, essentially it's what the title says. We basically discuss marketing specifically geared toward computer businesses, and we basically created a group to provide as much value and free information as possible and other resources that we found that have really helped us out. And it's a really cool group because we really have a collective of a lot of people that are really trying to help others. And even for those trying to pick up some good tips 
to move forward with their business. And one of the things that we kind of discussed, or that was a cool thing we discussed over the last couple of days, was contests or giveaways. Now, a lot of people, you know, will shut their eye on giveaways, making any type of sales on social media. But for those that are trying to gain brand awareness, I think this is where it's really helped out a lot is doing some type of giveaway or contest. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something physical. It could be something where it could be a service. It could be a uh, a digital service of a company or even a service that you may offer that may be a product that you're spinning off of. And a lot of people were really trying to give ideas. Was it successful? It was a really great post. And I think a, a big takeaway from one of them was the fact that in the entire U.S. there is a ruling, and Jeff, you'll probably uh, help me with that detail, as far as where you just cannot offer where some you can't incentivize or essentially say, if you purchase X, you'll be entered into this drawing or contest. Apparently, that is a no-no in, in our country and uh, is one of those where you just really want to think and research as you go forward with any type of contests and giveaways in any type of medium, uh, not just in social media. Yeah, if you ever look at, uh, it could be on a Dorito bag or where, wherever you're at, and you look at the contest rulings, the first thing you'll see is on every contest I've ever seen, no purchase necessary. That's true. And the reason they say that, I'm pretty sure, and again, I don't know the law backwards and forwards, but I'm pretty sure that you can't do that because they don't want you to have to. Now, even though you buy Doritos to get the game piece, <laughs> right? it's kind of a catch-22. You're buying their product, which you were going to buy anyways, but they're saying, essentially, there's no purchase necessary in order to be involved in the contest. So you could have gotten that game piece from your aunt Sally who just gave it to you, even though, so you didn't have to buy the physical bag in order for you to get the game piece and use it as a, you know, being part of the game. The other thing you want to watch out for is a lot of people have tried this in the past and this will bite you is that you don't want to pay people for reviews. So never offer your even your services if people write you a review, discounts, whatever. You just want people to write reviews legitimately because you don't want to, even though you may not be gamifying the system, to a lot of companies, that's what it looks like. So you got to be careful there. Right. It's, it's not bad to ask for reviews, essentially Correct. to pay for reviews. That's a big no-no. Yeah. So don't do that. Don't do what Donnie Don't does. So essentially... The other piece of this, too, for those that are considering doing some type of giveaway and contest and you just don't know where to start, don't really want to deal with the hassle, how do I track it, how do I go through there, Amazon actually has a really cool giveaway. Uh, I don't know if it's a feature or section, but essentially they came out with this not too long ago where you can actually do a giveaway off of a product on Amazon. They'll help you track all the information, all the contest winners. And once they basically win or whoever has been selected, you they will basically enter their information in Amazon's uh, portal. And then they will take care of the shipping to the, uh, the item to the person and they just charge your card. So nice. Yeah. So I was looking into that when they first first talked about it. I have since seen that it's come out. Haven't tried it. But that's something you guys can look into because who doesn't buy anything from Amazon nowadays? So that's something to take a look at. And also, there are other companies as well that do this. 
Um, Amazon is just the one that comes to mind right now, but there are others out there. They probably do charge for that service, but this is something to kind of think of in case you are looking into seeing if this will work. And if it does, or for those that have tried it, please let us know by either letting us know at the Computer Business Marketing Show comments of the episode or just going ahead onto the group. And that group, again, is the Computer Business Marketing Facebook group. All right. So what we're going to go ahead and do is move into our featured topic. And again, as I mentioned before, we have none other than Jeff Hallish of TechNut PC and the glorious host of the PodNuts Network. Uh, he has... What is it? Three or is it two shows now that you're uh... two shows used to be three might be bringing the third one back. We're just trying to get some dates set to where we can record. Gotcha. But yeah, the, I was going to say the three shows are Podnets Daily, Computer Repair Podcast and My Hard Drive Died. Gotcha. And so for the three people that don't know who you are, because if you don't shame on you, uh, <laughs> because I hold the Podnets Network dear, near and dear to my heart. Uh, for those that don't know you, Jeff, why don't you tell a little bit about your business and what you do and kind of what you're doing over at the Podnuts Network as well. Sounds good. Appreciate you having me on. And this is, uh, I, I, I'm excited to be with Paco as always in just talk. And Matt, thank you for serving our country and appreciate what you're doing out there. And now that the uh, cat's away, the mice will play. <laughs> so, um, so basically, I started working on computers. It, let me let me go back. Let me go way way back. I actually started working on computers, probably writing basic code back when I was a teenager, a bazillion years ago, <laughs> and I had a uh, a TI ninety nine computer, and you could it, there was. Uh, I can't remember the name of the magazine at the time, but there was a magazine that would come out and I don't think it was Byte magazine, but it was something along those lines. And you could go in there and it would have programs. You could make games by writing the code. Now, back then the TI-99 was a very interesting computer because if you lost power or it got shut off, you basically lost everything. <laughs> no story. Yeah, there wasn't a whole <laughs> lot for saving. Now, after that, we had had a, we, we used to keep our medium on a cassette recorder, one of those tabletop ones that you see in the old um, detective movies and stuff like that, be sitting on the corner of a desk and the, the little tray pops open and you put the cassette tape in there. Well, my uncle at the time had made a cable because he was doing networking and different things for some companies. He had made a cable that would tie into the TI-99 so we could play games like King's Quest. And this was back before modems and all that kind of stuff. But when the game would load up, it would almost sound like a modem starting. So uh, you get this game to load up and you'd go through and you go through your adventure, King's Quest. You know, I'll, I'll go through the right door. I'll travel forward. I'll pull out, you know, pull out my sword, whatever. And so I remember playing those games. Plus, there was a bunch of cartridge games that you could play back then. But always found that stuff fascinating. You know, played games as far as Atari 2600 and all that kind of stuff. Moving forward, I had a, uh, probably in the late, about 1989, I had a Commodore 64. And so back then I had the five and a quarter inch drives or five and a half, five and a quarter, Uh, five and a quarter, I think. I think it's five, five and a half. I don't is it know. five and a half? The big, the big disc drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's five and a half. It's five and a half, and then the regular floppy is three and a quarter. 
That's right. So yeah. five, I, I not one, but two, five and a half drives. No, now, the I'm reason sorry. for that? No, no, it's five and a quarter and then three and a half for the floppies. Never there mind. we go. go ahead. I, one, one way or the yeah. other. Anyways, it was the big, the big, the big floppy, floppy disc. The save yes. button. Yes. <laughs> for those so things. the reason I had two was because I was cracking games and copying them. <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> Those are the great days. So I had probably well over 300 games for this, uh, for this machine and used to play in the wee hours of the, the night and had a blast doing that type of stuff. Um, Airborne Ranger was one of my favorite ones. If you guys ever looked that up on a Commodore 64, I used to play that for hours. So, I, was a, I was an Oregon Trail person myself. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, actually still have that game, Oregon Trail. Nice. Um, not Oregon Trail, Oregon Trail. There's Man. two different versions. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, actually, Oregon Trail is more of the uh, zombie apocalypse one. Anyways. Oh, uh, yeah, no. That was not the one. So, <laughs> anyway, so um, I wasn't making fun of Paco. That's just, there are two different games. So, sure moving forward, it was probably, I went back kind of into console gaming, but right around 1999, I got my first, what I would call a modern PC. And that was a Dell. It was a uh, Pentium 2, 400 megahertz. I think I had... I can't even remember how many megs of RAM. It wasn't a whole lot. Now, was it the Pentium that was that huge one with the big iron yes. thing that stuck oh, yeah. out? Okay. Yes. Because I know later yeah. on, they ended up going back to the smaller Pentium 2s before they went into the Pentium 3s, back to the flat ones. Yeah. No, this was a this was a big old, yeah, the big old one. And so I, I did a lot of things on that. I had a video card where I basically, um, it was the first time that I had done SLI. Now, back then, it was I took two cards, and they were, I believe they were NVIDIA cards. They were six megabytes of RAM apiece. So I had a whopping 12 megabytes of RAM. And so I started messing around with the hardware. The other thing I started doing back then was Dell Tech Support was actually in Texas. I would wait till about 2 o'clock in the morning. I would call the Dell Tech Support guys and gals when I had a problem. And what I would do is any command lines that they would give me, to put into my computer, to format it, do whatever. I would take three by five cards. I would write all this stuff out and throw it in a file folder. And that was how I started fixing things. Because if the problem happened again, I pulled the three by five card out. I could go in, do the command line and figure out what I needed to do. Back then with the video cards, SLI was a pain. I still think it's a pain today. (laughs) But back then I was having to go in and rewrite the drivers to work with certain games. That was fun. So moving forward from there, I uh, always had an interest in PCs. Actually, the reason I had gotten a PC was because I enjoyed the game. Actually, I enjoyed the book from Tom Clancy, Rainbow Six. Ah. And it was a first, first-person type shooter where I was part of a clan, and we actually used to play till the wee hours of the morning. I was probably in my late 20s at this point. I think that was probably my, my very first first-person shooter was Rainbow Six as well for but i was a console gamer at that point yes i was a i was a playstation 2 all that kind of stuff so i had all that stuff before and i loved rainbow six and it was basically it's not like all the modern stuff where you can see the gun in your hands and all that kind of stuff it was a crosshair that you would basically point around on the screen but i had become part of a clan and we actually used to play ladders and we were one of the number one teams like in the world so that was exciting for, yeah, a twenty-something-year-old to uh, you know say, "Hey, I mean, we were talking, and this was back. We had dial-up for a minute back in '99, 
And as soon as cable came into my neighborhood, I didn't care what it costs. I scooped it up, got cable, cable internet. And that's where I've been ever since. I was fortunate because I was in the right area. Mm. Um, moving forward from there, I started fixing friends and family's computers, like a lot of computer techs. And sometimes I charge money, sometimes I wouldn't. But in 2010, I decided to, I enjoy doing this, so I'm going to start my own business. So I started my own business and kind of went on from there. Um, back, back in the day, I started with a static HTML website, one page. All I wanted to do was call me. That's all I needed for. Really, even nowadays, there's a lot of cool things that you can do with websites, but really, you want them to call you. You want them to get in contact with you. So with that being said, now that was back in the tech site builder one days, way back. And now uh, there went through a couple iterations. One went to WordPress, I think tech site builder two. And I had Matthew actually help me do some uh, custom scripting on there for doing some of the things I needed for uh, contracts and whatnot. And then he took over Tech Site Builder and has made it into the product it is today, which is an outstanding product. And I will just say this, if you're not using Tech Site Builder, and no, they did not pay me to say this, listen, guys, gals, I've seen most of your websites. And if you're not using Tech Site Builder, you need to. Because what you think looks cool doesn't really look cool. But with that being said, uh, there's a lot of cool features. This is what I would call a hybrid website where Matthew and his team is going to take care of the complete backend, no infections. They're going to make sure everything's updated. They're going to take care of all that stuff. You pay them a fee and guess what? You can go in and customize it. And he he's always putting in new up-to-date features that make it completely easy to use. And again, if you're one of those people that likes to tinker, you can do this on your own instead of paying a company one big fee to make you this website that they have to go in and change every time. So I love the approach that he's went with. And I would say definitely use a tech site builder nowadays. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I see, I forgot where I saw it. There was, there was a technician, I want to say either in one of the Facebook groups or from passing or something like that. And I went on his site. Oh dear God. And there's nobody from, and there's nobody from the community. So I'm not calling anybody out from the community. This is somebody completely random that hasn't, you know, like it's, it was bad. Like, and I've seen, I mean, it's not even a nineties website. Oh my god! I mean, it was a website where it had literally like certain videos, uh, um, playing on a, in a row and then had all these HTML, like tags of like, Hey, we do, uh, uh, hosted exchange i'm throwing this as an example because i don't remember what the images were and uh, it was just it was bad really really bad so i'm imagining it's probably one of those one page html static pages that haven't been updated <laughs> in quite some time so that would be a perfect example on why you would want to go with tech site builder but uh yeah so i just wanted to add that on that i re- i think i probably saw it either today or yesterday um which i'm surprised they're getting getting good calls on there because you couldn't even find the phone number. But anyway, well, uh, moving on. Yeah, no, that's yeah. It's definitely a lot of people look at in, in from the marketing aspect. Since this is a computer business marketing show, um, it, from a marketing aspect, a lot of people will look at websites and they go, "Wow, I want mine to be unique. I want mine to be different. I want mine to be to eye catching or whatever." Well, with TechSite Builder, you can do a lot of the stuff that you need to do, but really. You want a clean website that somebody can 
basically hit whatever page. And I think Matthew just came out with a thing where he did uh, some things with landing pages with you. Yeah. And uh, the page builder uh, yes. feature is the newest feature in uh, oh, Text Site Builder. That thing is cool and fairly easy to use. Now, everything takes a little bit of a learning curve. But when I say I can get in there and figure it out within 10, 15 minutes, I can get in there and figure it out within 10 to 15 minutes. And if not, hey, tech support is a email away. So um, definitely check that out. I, I think a lot of times in today's day and age, you want people to be able to contact you. And the busier your website is, as far as what's going on on that first page, when somebody gets there is not always a good thing. So again, if you got, you know, some disco balls going up in the corners and yeah, we don't want none of that. So, <laughs> yep. so the best route is to keep the, the kiss uh, theory is basically keep it simple, silly. So, oh, not yeah, the other it, one. Well, you know, I, I'm trying to keep it uh, PC, a PC, right? You know. <laughs> so anyways, moving on from there. So I started my business officially, went and did the whole LLC route in 2010 and it's 2017 now. And been running with it, uh, have advertised with Google AdWords, organic search, all that kind of stuff. I have never, ever, ever gamed, gamed the system whatsoever in I have great organic search just from the legitimate things that I do. What? Organic yes. search without gaming or, the system? I'm, yes, it's amazing. And it partially, I don't, and these are things that Matt and Paco will tell you. That there are things you could, they're just legitimate content. The problem with gaming the system is eventually that house of cards will fall. Agreed. And then you have to go in and figure out the new game. Why do you want to do that? Because that takes a lot of time and effort. So I've been doing this, well, I've been advertising for seven years. And actually the last two years, I turned off my Google AdWords because I'm trying to cut down on the customers that are coming in through the door. <laughs> And I still can't stop them. So I don't know what the problem is. But um, my wife had a theory. She thought that eventually that would go away. Yeah, it's not working. It hasn't yet. <laughs> no. So I'm, I'm still showing up in, uh, in organic search. So anyways, I've been running my business there. And I, I decided to, uh, a couple years ago, I was approached by Door to Door Geek, the owner of Podnuts. And he asked if I wanted to do Podnuts Daily, which is a tech-to-tech -tech show which anybody is a, is free to come on and talk about their business, talk about what they do. I, Paco, that's where I first met you, right? Yep. Back you uh, decided April, to come on the show? In April 2014. Okay. That's no, back I'm sorry, when I lied. September 2014. Okay. April is when I started listening because I just found the Podnuts Network in early 2014. It's funny because I started in April of 2014. Right. That's what we were saying. <laughs> it was like I think it was like the end of April, and then I started listening I heard a couple of your episodes. Then I decided to go back all the way to number one or however far the podcatcher would go because how the podcatchers are designed, you can only go so far back right. with that many episodes. So I think I started wherever it was and just kind of moved my way through, you know, through Steve Cherubino's uh, ending of uh, hosting Podnuts, went into Door-to-Door uh, -door Geek, uh, Steve McLaughlin hosting the show. Then I think there was a couple episodes with a gentleman, Tim Kelly, Tom Kelly. Tim uh, Kelly, yep. Tim Kelly, yep. and then that's when I started listening to your shows. And so by this time, as I kind of ran through those, it already had been in the middle of the summer. So you already had a couple months in episodes already done, and that's kind of how I started uh, getting in tune with the Podnuts Network. And it was for one of the guests saying, "Hey, you definitely need to come on. It doesn't matter how new you are." And I took the invitation, and 
kind of traveled the rope through here. And here you are podcasting yep. and doing all kinds of great things. So I moved on from there and I decided to take the original show, which was Pod Nuts. Mm. And that was the first show that Steve Cherubino had started. And I basically had taken that show and made it back into, and it went through a couple iterations. I would actually talk to businesses that had products and services for our community that maybe people didn't know about. And we could dive in deep and figure out, hey, how's this going to help you in your business? So I was doing that. Then I decided to do a roundtable of a live call-in show where you can send in voicemails, call in live, uh, answer email. You know, We do all this stuff where we interact with the audience. And then we talk about a subject almost every Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the reason I say every Sunday is because I've been taking the liberty with nudgings from friends of mine to basically take the weekend off, which I'm very thankful for because if it wasn't for them, and I know sometimes people maybe miss an episode here or there, but I looked at it as it's a refreshing time for me to kind of regather my wits because I'm a busy dude. I've got a lot of things going on. Um, and then one of the other shows that we're trying to bring back here and there is My Hard Drive Died with Scott Moulton, who does hard drive forensics and all kinds of things related to electronic hard drives, firmware, tearing them apart, putting them back together, getting the data off. The guy really knows his stuff. So we're trying to set some of that stuff up. Um, cool. But that's that's kind of my background. And so I've been podcasting since, like I said, 2014. And, uh, and here we are today. Nice. Nice. So, yeah. So we, like you mentioned, and kind of like what you talked about, you've been in business officially since 2010? 10. Yes. Okay. So over the last seven years, I've been officially in business since 2000, 2013, um, officially. I founded the business back in 2011, but didn't get legit and really started grabbing the bull by the horns until uh, July of 2013. Actually, um, as we record this two days ago, July 2nd, uh, was actually my four year anniversary of opening my first office downtown. So the Ooh, office, that, nice. the office in the West loop downtown, who has always been our signature office, our office that has always kind of held the, the fort down that is currently, uh, four years old. So great monument and great, uh, signature milestone to have at that point. So, as everyone knows, with being in business for even just a year, there are quite a few hiccups that you can go for. And the topic for today that we're going to be talking about is marketing fails or marketing disasters. And essentially, the reason why I use that phrase so vividly is I think for the past 10 shows, we've gone ahead and really talked about tips, tricks, practicality, things you can do to improve your business. But I think a big piece, and I'm a firm believer of, if you expose a lot of the failures and the things that lessons that you've learned, because you shouldn't look at them as failures, you should look at them as lessons as you move forward. I don't think there's a lot of that in our community, whether it's because of ego, whether it's because of, you know, you don't want to kind of tell that side of the story because it was you felt that it was a dumb and embarrassing move. But I think if a lot of those stories tend to come out, it will help a lot of up and coming technicians and computer business owners. Because again, you got to remember, we were all computer technicians moving into becoming computer business owners. So there's a big transition between all that. And sometimes we just think that we know it all 
because we saw all this as we were working as techs and we really don't understand the intricacies of those type of uh, situations, plans, or even just places you're going to and really understanding what you're getting yourself into. So kind of what we're going to try and do is kind of go back and forth on some of the most signature or some of the biggest that stand out to us in those years that we've been in business. And I'll start first because I always love telling this story because it is probably the worst marketing or actually, you know what? I'm going to keep that for last. I'm going to keep that one for last. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep the best with the worst one for last. And then we'll kind of just gradually work toward that. Uh, but the first one that we went ahead and did, that was a big flub on our end was holiday cards. And the big flub that we made from there was in our head, we wanted to send to our customers, happy holidays, no advertisement, no nothing. Just simply let them know, have a great holiday. Thank you for your support. Hope you have a safe and, and, and great holiday. And the reason why this was a flub is because what ended up happening was when we sent the cards out, all that was mentioned about us was the Prodigy Text support team or Prodigy Text family. I forgot how we worded it, but there was no contact information on that card. <laughs> so for those who may have lost their information, hadn't heard from us in a while, it's always, you always want to make sure you're front of mind. And I had a customer point this out to me because he owns a business, glass making company. True story. My client, or this client in Evanston is actually the father of one of the actors from the show Workaholics. So keep that as a, as a tidbit from Comedy Central. So he was the one that told me, hey, you don't have your contact information on here. So I actually had to Google it and find your address because I needed you to do something for me. And had I had your number or had your information on here, it would have made it a little bit easier for me to get a hold of you. So it just dawned on me that because I was so full focused on not advertising my services, I didn't think of putting the simple contact information for someone who did want to reach out to us because we were front of mind to get a hold of us. So lesson in this case is to ensure that any marketing materials you send out Make sure that there's some way, shape, or form that they can get a hold of you, whether it's your website, phone number, email, or all three. So that's my flub on that part. Jeff, what is uh, one that kind of sticks out to you over the years that you've uh, had to say, you know what, probably could have done something a little bit different with that? Well, you know, when it comes to marketing I or anything in life, I thought I messed up one time and found out I was mistaken. Um, <laughs> So when I look at marketing flubs or things that we've done or things that we've learned, and I look at it like Paco does as a learning experience, because there's only a couple ways to learn. Experience is the best teacher. As long as it's somebody else's experience. And that's one of the things that we're, we're talking about today. We're giving you the things that, Hey, maybe we didn't do or, or didn't think about at the time. And so you don't have to make those same mistakes. Or you'll learn that way or you'll learn on your own because you'll make the same mistakes and you'll be able to tell your story down the road. But either way, you'll learn. So it's, it's a good experience altogether. One of the things I did uh, this was quite a while ago was we decided to do, and everything costs a little bit of money to do, and that's okay. You just don't want to spend a whole lot of money. But we did flyers and I printed them out on my computer or on my printer 
and you know went through a lot of ink and all that kind of stuff. Probably could have went to a print shop, but we decided to do it ourselves. I've done the door hangers. You can actually buy door hangers in a sheet of two and then print the uh, door hangers side by side and then break them off and hang them on the doors. Problem I did not with, know that. Yes. I, I still have a box somewhere. Ah, nice. So, uh, we've done that and we've done the flyers in an eight by 10 sheet in the mailbox. Not in the mailbox, but attached to the flag outside the mailbox because in the mailbox would be illegal. Excuse me. And so, good to know. Yeah. One of the things that now, when I say we, I mean, my wife and kids went out and delivered all these flyers <laughs> and door hangers. You get kids running down the street, running up to the doors, hanging the thing on there, running to the next one as my wife's driving and going by. And then when they did the mailboxes, you know, I got kids hanging out the windows, attaching them as they're flying on by and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I'm assuming they, she's going at a, a Fairly decent miles per hour. Yeah, you know, probably five miles an hour or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what's the fun in that? Yeah, you don't don't need that arm. Don't worry about (laughs) it. So we probably put out over 3,000 flyers at one time, and then I can't remember how many door hangers. But I cannot tell you one customer I got from that. Now, we had all our information on there. We had, you know, a picture of me because I'm I'm all about personal business. I'm about two things when it comes to marketing. And I believe these two things are true, local and personal. So, and the reason I say that is I, I try my best to support the local businesses within my area, whether it's specialty meat shops or things like that. Now, you know, a lot of things, you're still going to go to the bigger stores because they've got the things that you need. But whenever there's a niche shop that does something that I'm going to buy anyways, I try to support them. And so local and then also being, I wanted to have my picture on there, not because I'm arrogant or anything like that. I am kind of arrogant, but that's besides the point. The reason for that is there's a couple of reasons. Number one, when you show up at somebody's house, it's nice for that person. I've had this happen where people go, they're looking at the business card or something. Yeah, you look like the guy that's on your website or whatever. And so to them that, you know, that's important. Hey, you in today's day and age, you could have anybody show up and, and maybe print out a little tag or something, and you might not be who you say you are. So I, again, personal and local, I believe those two things are important. But I cannot tell you not one customer that came from any of those. Not now, one. now, how did you try to determine uh, if anybody had grabbed the flyer? Did you have some type of discount on it, or you just simply asked them, hey, or how did you hear about us? And no one mentioned the flyer. So yes. Um, and no. <laughs> so <laughs> Paco, one of the things that, yeah, you, you brought up a good point. We probably should have had something on there where we could have tracked it. Now I know you, you've, you, we could have done like a special Google voice number or something like that. We've talked about this in the past, probably the easiest thing to do. I think you just mentioned it would be to put a coupon code on it. We didn't do any of that. Because I wasn't looking for doing discounts. My prices were already cheap enough as it was. But I probably should have charged more and then just given some sort of discount on top of that. So I didn't do any of that. But I usually do ask people, whether on the phone or in person, when they come and see me, where they found me at. And probably 99.99999% of the time, it's on Google is where people are fine. I Googled you. 
Now they could have banged me. I don't know. But anyways, from their from their point, <laughs> from their standpoint, yeah, they could have AOL'd me. But from their standpoint, they Googled me. They found me on Google. Now, people that use AOL, where do they go? They go to Google.com. A lot of times they don't even type in the whole thing. They just go and do a little search, Google, and it'll come up and they click on a little thing and then they go there and then they do another search on top of that. It's I know <laughs> it's a weird thing, but it's the way it happens. So I had no way to track those things, but I, I remember asking people and I never heard of anybody that had actually saw my flyer. I think I'd gotten one phone call. Now, a lot of people go, well, 3000 flyers is not a whole lot. Okay. 3000 flyers in less than a half a mile because I was neighborhoods right across the street, neighborhoods behind us. So it was right in this area because again, I was thinking local. Right. If you're going to come to a computer repair shop that, you know, especially somebody like myself is working out of my house, then you're going to want somebody that's local. And what I'd figured out a long time ago from Google AdWords is people were really not going to travel more than 20 minutes right. to come see me. And that's the way I take most of my customers. They come see me. I don't want to go see them. Not that I don't like them. I just don't like on-site work. That's just me. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah. I, and you hit a great point where, and I'm a firm, firm, firm believer of this is any type of advertising or marketing that you do, you have to be able to track it. You have to be able to figure it out. Whether if you don't like doing it, you need to have someone else take a look at it or just brainstorm with you on how to make it as simple as possible. Because if you're, if you're spending any type of dollars and time into something, you want to be able to see what it's going to bring back to you on your investment. And like you mentioned, I think a good part for print advertising specifically, like we talked about right now, is having something to track with, whether it's going to be a bit.ly link that's basically a bit.ly slash some word, have a coupon code if you're going to be doing discounts, although depending on where you're at or what you set your rate at, you may not be able to afford to do a discount or a loss leader. Um, another thing is to, like you mentioned, creating some type of specialty number, whether it's Google Voice, which costs nothing. You just have to make sure you hook it to one of your domain's emails and designate that as your specific number for any type of print advertising, or there are many services out there that do it as well. But obviously, if you're starting out, especially like when, how we did, you know, you want to make sure you keep your costs in control. So you want to be as resourceful as possible when you don't have the resources. So I, once you get kind of how you can track it, you're going to have a much better feeling of where your money's going because you'll know right then and there, is this going to be worth it? Or is this something that I need to move forward from? Or is there something that I need to take that resources and spend it on something else that will get me a lot more bang for my buck? So that are some things that I want to leave with you guys as well. And then we're going to go ahead and move on to Google or just simply pay-per-click, um, specifically Google AdWords for me. Now, I'm currently running Google AdWords, and this is probably my... This is my third stint of running Google AdWords. Now, the second stint and third stint were okay. They were not as drastic as my first one, which completely turned me away from Google AdWords. I said I will never spend another dollar with Google on what they did to me. But as we started to unravel the situation, it was all me that caused that issue. 
Now, what ended up happening was, as everyone knows, you have to have a Gmail address to in order to be able to create a Google AdWords account. Now, what happened at the time was we had those coupon codes. You'd put it in the coupon code. I think at the time was you get 100 bucks and you can do whatever you want on it and you'll be able to return your money that and thus more. So I thought, oh, great. I'm going to go ahead and do that. Didn't research the product. Didn't figure out what negative keywords were. Didn't look at how to convert with ads. Didn't worry about, uh, I was adding every single keyword that uh, that was coming to me. What ended up happening was I didn't realize that I had both my accounts signed in. So I had my personal Gmail and I had my work Gmail account set up. Now, what ended up happening was if you're not careful what you're signing in, it's going to automatically create a Google AdWords account for you. So I don't know how. Don't ask me how. It, somehow I duplicated the same campaign on both accounts. Oh, So I essentially doubled my cost in AdWords and had no idea what happened. And I paid the bill on one side, but then I had Google hounding me saying I owed the same exact amount of money for this other account. So when I showed them the receipt and I said, no, that's, that's not the case. I paid you guys. I went through a whole thing uh, uh, arguing with them. They said, no, you caught, this is what you charged. You must have had another account. You're, you're basically SOL. You got to do what you got to do. I said, okay, I'm going to do what I got to do. So luckily, I was paying it through PayPal's MasterCard at the time. I made the dispute with PayPal. They disputed it for me. Google never got back to them. I got my money back. Woohoo! I got everything was great. Yeah, not so much. What ended up <laughs> happening was on my business email, they suspended the account. Now, what happened was I left it suspended probably because I never thought I would ever go back to pay-per-click. I said, forget you guys. You know, you, you guys screwed me out of my money. I'm never going to use you again. So my second stint of Google AdWords was probably two years, two, yeah, about two years ago. When I went back, I called Google AdWords support saying, hey, I think there was a misunderstanding, et cetera, et cetera, trying to weasel my way through. And what the gentleman told me essentially was, yeah, you have your balance. You could pay for it. However, because it was a dispute from the bank and it was also a basically you owed and suspended for X amount of years. And we're talking this was back in 2011 and I didn't kick it back on until 2015. So this was four years that it was suspended and I owed Google, I think it was like 160 bucks or something like that. They basically said, even if I paid it, Google will not reinstate my Google AdWords account. So I thought to myself, oh, there goes pay-per-click. I'm done. So luckily, since I had multiple emails on my domain, they instructed me, create another one under your other support email. We actually are going to give you a code to go get another $100 and then kind of just go do it that way. So Lesson learned, pay attention to what you're doing. And if you have issues with a particular vendor, marketing vendor, if you do some type of dispute like that, you never know if you're ever going to have to go back with them. So keep that in mind before you do something drastic as what this guy ended up doing. (laughs) Well, that's that's funny. So going back to Google AdWords back in 2010, when I first started, back then I used to live closer to the water. So Back then, instead of using zip codes to denote what area you wanted to advertise to, you would actually draw, and I drew like the shape of a boot, 
because I wanted like the high the higher areas and I kind of was cutting some of the other areas out and I had the water. Well, I didn't really want to go into Canada. So I tried to keep it on this side. And so you could go in there and make adjustments and you would draw lines and, and make all these adjustments. Well, somehow when I went to save the account, I had clicked on a, a button that had basically said worldwide. No, I'm sorry. It didn't say worldwide. It was us all the all of the us oh and clicked save didn't realize it in one hour's time by the time i caught this and thank god i did it was three hundred dollars i had been charged in one hour i can't even imagine what it would have been if i was not one of these people that goes back and checks my stuff to you know double check things and make sure that everything's running okay and I realized I checked that box. So I called Google support and I said, listen, this was a mistake. I'm a local business. All I'm to, trying to do is advertise this area. I clicked on that by accident. And he was like, well, not really anything we can do about it. I think he gave me like 20 bucks off. I think oh. that was it. And I'm like, you know, I said for future reference, because I was a little, I was a little irritated for future reference. It would be nice if the engineers at Google would actually have a pop-up box that says, are you sure you want to do this? Because that way, at least if I clicked on something, in, there's no pop-up or nothing. You click on it. If you didn't see where you last clicked and you hit save, boom, it's going in. Right. Well, they change a lot of things after that. But nowadays you do it by zip code, which I have two zip codes in a six by six square mile radius. So that's what I do. Uh, but yeah, that was a, that was a hurtful, what it ended up being 280 bucks in one hour's time that I lost. And, you know, a lot of people look at that and they go, oh my gosh, that's so much money. And at the time starting off, it was that probably ate all my profits for that month because I was charging a lot less back then. But at the same time, I looked at it. I've never, ever paid one dime of my regular income into my business. Not one. Everything I've ever done, I've at least been able to break even with costs and everything. So um, anybody can do that. It, it's not that hard. And, and people that say you can't, they're just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. And I do the similar thing now as well. I do zip codes. And this is something me and you had talked about before where doing the research on where you want to advertise. And I'm kind of going into uh, another tip here is doing the research on what your demographics are for that particular area or zip code, because you never know if you're only getting a subset of people where the next zip code over is going to basically 10 times what you're looking for. And a similar situation like what I had was my business zip code is in a business district, which only had about 3,000 people, where the one next to it, which is pretty much the main zip code for the area or the neighborhood, is 30 plus thousand people. So something to think about as you're doing this. And of course, always give a call to Google support. They want to, they want your money as much as you want to spend it to make more money. So they're going to make sure to help you as best they can for free to make sure you keep investing into their uh, system and their product. Going on to basically number two, before I go into my biggest flub blunder of them all, and I'll keep this one short, short is uh, Yelp ads. And the big mistake I made with Yelp ads was the fact that when I invested in them, I thought that this would be a great idea 
because of another bi- local business had ran Yelp ads and they had close to 300 plus reviews. And I mean, they maintain a bunch of traffic. And at the time, 50, I, all my traffic was 50-50. I had 50% people from Google coming to me that Google searched me and 50% I had coming from Yelp. So I thought it would be a great idea. And at that time I had four offices, which again, I thought I was big stuff and my ego to the point of, Hey, I'm going to run a chain. And yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but essentially I let ego. And apparently as my good friend uh, mentions or says a lot, Victor Antonio, ego is not your amigo. So what ended up happening was I advertised for my newest location that I had opened. And for whatever reason, the traffic started going to my downtown location. And I, it made no sense. I called support. They said, no, we're advertising in Lincoln Park, which for those that are in Chicago or not in Chicago, it's about maybe five, six miles away from each other. So the only thought I had logically was for those that were living in Lincoln Park, worked in the West Loop, and that's how they were finding me. The other piece of it as well that really I didn't like about Yelp ads was the fact of their analytics. Essentially, I can tell how many people and it was pretty true from what I can see from experience of how many people were coming in per month. And you could tell the traffic coming in organically. Once you pay for Yelp ads, what ended up happening was it there was no way to decipher what brought in paid traffic or pay, what did paid traffic bring in versus your organic traffic. And what ended up happening was it looked like it was pretty much the same numbers, maybe five, 10 different of amount of people as it kept going on. And I had a buddy of mine who owns a computer company as well. I talked him out of Yelp ads doing it because it just looked like he was just maintaining his same organic traffic. And that's essentially what happened on my end. And as I called them to try and figure out, okay, what is the paid ads actually doing for me versus what the organic traffic is? Because it literally looks the same. So I don't understand the same impressions, the same clicks, the same numbers. I don't really see a benefit here. And you know, they wanted to go into a higher package and it was just the whole thing that I just felt like it just wasn't going to be for me. So breach the contract, pay them their early termination fee, called it a day. And that was another bad uh, decision that I made, but it was a lesson understanding on what things were working for me and what things weren't. That's good. Um, one of the other things I'm going to keep on with the Google AdWords since we were talking about this. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I did in the beginning was I started off with a bunch of keywords. Okay. And up until, you know, I'd had probably, I was adding keywords. I did the same thing Paco did, kind of added them. I had a list of 300 I think I started off with, and it was everything under the sun. Well, this was just probably just a few years ago. I had never used negative keywords, and I didn't understand the importance. And all of a sudden, it became really important because I don't fix things like phones. I don't do screen replacements on touchscreens or tablets. Just not, well, touch screens I do, not tablets or phones. So here's the thing. I started getting a bunch of clicks in my business where all of a sudden people are trying to find me to fix a Samsung Galaxy 6, an iPhone 5, you know, whatever. An Amazon and, Kindle. <laughs> exactly. So I'm getting all these things. And a lot of times there's a lot of differences to keyword search as far as exact terms keyword only, and so on and so forth. And there's a lot of things that you got to play around with. I tried to keep everything as generic as possible. But what I ended up doing was I had to actually make some keywords of things that were coming up, like the word Samsung. 
It could be Samsung screen repair. Well, I had to take the Samsung. Well, not Samsung. That's a bad example. Let's say Apple. Yeah, Apple. Well, even no, I couldn't oh, yeah, even do that. Is. So there's a couple of things there that I couldn't take out, but I could take out some certain keywords and, and make them negative so that when people were searching for fixing a phone screen, no matter what they called it, because people did some weird searches, it would, <laughs> you know, it would not come up because they click on it. And the reason I know the clicks were working because people were calling me, but I'd have to tell them, no, I don't do that. Sorry. And so I'm wasting a lot of money doing that. So again, I had to learn what negative keywords were and work with that and try to uh, decipher it over time. That usually takes a couple months because you're going to see things that you don't normally see. And when they pop up, you just go in there, you create a negative keyword, add it to the list, boom, done. Because you could try to think of everything, but you're not until somebody searches some gobbledygook, which somehow they thought that they could find some repair for this that makes absolutely no sense but to them when they were searching for it it made sense so anyway yeah i had a setting on mine i looked at yesterday yesterday no today that it had computer computer repair in minnesota <laughs> but all my stuff is set to local right i don't have it set for people to search for me on so how google connected computer repair minnesota mn to my computer repair have no idea blocked the negative keyword and when we say negative keyword it's not just specifically each word you can actually do the whole phrase, right. the exact main search or iteration of that search. So you can literally do Samsung phone repair or Samsung Galaxy. Right. And that whole Samsung Galaxy will be uh, filtered out, but you won't have to worry about Samsung laptop exactly. being taken out on that. So something to think about as well. Now, drum roll, please. The number one blunder in Prodigy Tech's history, marketing and why what made me think of the marketing fail topic altogether is my advertisement with yellow pages. Now you may ask, why in the world would yellow you advertise? Who? Exactly. <laughs> why would you in an age of digital, why would you advertise in yellow pages? Now you have to th- remember, this is back in 2013. I had been working with a national on-site provider for, from 2009. So it was about, we're going to go with probably five years. I've been on and off working with them. No, I'm sorry, 2010. So late 2010. So we'll say about three, three to four years. And on every on-site that I went, and I would go to the northwest suburbs of Chicago on these, on these, um, these on-sites. And... They were well off, beautiful neighborhoods, loved going on there, loved the people. And I thought this was a slam dunk. And every person I asked for three to four years, how did you find this company? Each and every one of them. And there were older senior citizens, older, you know, had their own condominiums, paid off, you know, well off. You know, they were doing well for themselves. And they all stated, we found you in the book. Now, as we go back a little bit, there's two yellow books in Illinois. There is the yellow book that's done by another company. And then there's the yellow pages that are done by AT&T, which has since been bought out by a company called Dex Media, D-E-X-M-E-D-I-A, which goes by many different names throughout the U.S., Super Pages, you, know, you name it, go from there. So I assumed by having my office, I can go to the book, 
I'm going to go ahead and make lots and lots of money. Didn't work <laughs> out the way that I thought it would. Because I had a buddy of mine, same buddy that I talked about earlier, who went ahead and did Yellow Book. So it was, I think it was about $1,000 for the year. Uh, he had gotten no calls. He was highly upset. He thought that this was going to be the end all be all. He was going to get all these clients. Just didn't work out for him. Well, me, and he's 11 years my elder. And essentially, I thought, I know more than what this guy had do- is doing. I have a better idea. He just advertised in the wrong place. I know where the money is. So I invested. I can't even say invested. I just committed to a contract that that was a whole nother debacle in itself because the sales guy six months into my contract had left. And there were two iterations of this contract. I had looked at one contract and it said one thing where the impressions or the clicks and et cetera was going to cost X amount. When the new one that I signed, because I asked him for a revision, I never re-looked at the new one because I assumed it was just a revision of the change. I looked for the change, not the entire thing, and signed something completely different. But that's here, no here, there. That's a whole other problem. And that's why I'm bleeding them out 10 bucks a month. So for however <laughs> long they want to get that paid. But the point of this whole matter is I went ahead, because I got ahead of myself in the story, is I went ahead and advertised with Yellow Pages. Now, the big difference between Yellow Book and Yellow Pages was six times the cost. So where my friend spent $1,000, it was anywhere from six to about 6700 What ended up happening was, so I think our monthly bill was about anywhere from like four to 500 bucks a month, I think it was at that point. Now, what ended up happening was they had split it off into digital and the actual book because in their head, oh, there's so many things with digital. And I hadn't done the research for pay-per-click at the time. I already had gotten completely turned off by Google AdWords. I figured I'd let them do it and they were doing it, et cetera. No calls came in. Nothing turned by. I mean, they had their tracking records. They were supposedly tracking all these details. None of them ever converted. And what was the big piece on the lesson here was my office was in downtown Chicago I advertised out in the Northwest suburbs where I thought the money was going to be. What I didn't realize was going to end up happening was two things. One, if they even found me in the book, because I got the same ad space as my the national onsite provider that I was working with at the time, but their company starts off with geek. And a lot of people would confuse them for Best Buy's Geek Squad. So that really helps. So anybody with geek or nerd, they're going to have an up versus prodigy text. The other piece was our, our, our and on, on that same note, our ad really didn't speak to the client. It didn't really attract. It wasn't as vivid as I had hoped it to be. The other piece of it was being that they were close to 25, 30 miles away from downtown. Nobody's going to go from there to my office to drop off a computer. And then the same way turning around, no one probably assumed that we would come from our office all the way out to Schaumburg. And there was nothing really said that on the site that we serviced outside our area, so forth and so on. So ended up costing us quite a bit of money and some bad debt with the company. And that is probably the worst marketing venture that we had went into thus far. And that is the number one marketing fail for Prodigy Techs. Wow. Yeah, that's that's definitely hurtful. There's a lot of things that you can do, I think, for cheap 
or inexpensive versus yes. going all hog in on those things. So when it comes to big money like that in contracts and stuff, I think people definitely need to watch out. And again, one of the things I think that we are sorely lacking a lot of times is even though we want the details for our customers, a lot of times we don't look at the details for ourselves in our own businesses. And so these are definitely things that I think anybody can take away from and basically look at what you're doing and pay 100% attention to what's going on at the time. There's nothing wrong with trying things, but sometimes if you're trying something that's going to cost a lot of money, think about the the total cost in the end. Yep. Um, I was going to say, as far as I, as far as any other things, I think you've really hit it is the number one thing because I really haven't had that many marketing mistakes, so I'm pretty much done. <laughs> no, that's that's why I left that one for uh, the absolute last. But uh, no, I just you know we wanted to make sure that we kind of explain these things, kind of go through our flubs, so that those who are starting out and those who are considering any of these avenues kind of know the pitfalls. And hopefully will help you either do it better or hopefully avoid those for right now if you are cash strapped or trying to figure out where to dedicate those resources for your business. Uh, Jeff, I want to thank you again for coming out. And for those that basically want to follow up with you or just want to know a little bit more about you, what's the best way that they can reach you? Uh, you can actually, uh, you can find me over at uh, podnuts at podnuts.com. If you want to reach out to me uh, for the show, uh, you can go to the website podnuts.com and look for the, the shows there. I've got all my contact information there. And if you'd like to be a guest on any of our shows that we do, because we, we bring in new people all the time, uh, you can send an email to guest at podnuts.com. You can hit me on all the social media sites, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, so on and so forth. Just look for my name. It's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I do, I really want to make sure that we drive that home where Podnuts Daily is definitely a great show. It's actually where I started getting my podcasting career started. Um, it, it, it's one of those where, you know, as we kind of move forward, that you don't have to be 10 years in your business. You could just start off in your business. I mean, we, Everyone has something to share, and it's really something that I really want to encourage those in the community that have not been on the show for Podnuts Daily and are starting out or have been technicians that love the shows, loves the content we provide. We would love to have you on to really understand, to see what you're doing, and it might help other technicians and business owners out there. And as uh, Jeff mentioned, guest at podnuts.com, the little secret that... uh we don't really reveal on the marketing show is I actually help out with the scheduling of Podnuts for the guest of Podnuts Daily. So when you email that email address, you'll actually get a hold of me and uh, we'll definitely make sure to put you on. And if you have appeared on the show, we'd love to have you on the Computer Repair Live show as well. Uh, we get a lot of great value for that. And we it's just a great time once we really get into the details and understanding a lot of the emails and phone calls that come in. But Jeff, appreciate you coming out. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll go ahead and move on to the marketing tip of the week. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. 
Marketing tip of the week is going to be essentially to be front of mind. I was basically listening over to a uh, big YouTube channel that is geared toward the starting entrepreneur, and he was going over 14 guerrilla marketing tactics, and a big piece of that was basically being front of mind. And I didn't really think about it before where you know some would go ahead and get t-shirts printed on and it would be their logo or it would go ahead and be just a company name. But what he was mentioning and I thought was a great idea was some type of phrase or something to inquire. So ask me about X or, you know, who is Y, you know, that sort of deal. And for our industry, I think it would be really cool about, you know, ask me about your family photos or ask me about the latest ransomware or just some type of phrase that's going to be clever something that's been exposed in the media that's probably going to be front of mind, but they just haven't had the chance to really speak to anybody. I think that's going to really drive it out of the park. So do something as far as in marketing to keep yourself front of mind. The t-shirt was an example. You can also do uh, print out labels for water bottles and just, you know, it's getting hot. There's going to be a lot of people that are running and training in parks. You can basically just give a water bottle for free with your information, simply do an introduction. Hey, if you ever need anything, just let us know, but just wanted to give this to you. Uh, understand everyone's putting out work out here. These are just a few ideas to think about. And again, just make sure to do what you can to be front of mind. And that is the marketing tip of the week. And essentially, we want everyone to keep the conversation going. Head on over to computerbusinessmarketing.com and let us know what you think in the comment sections below the show notes. And don't forget, we do want to hear your questions and feedback. So please email us at mail at techsitebuilder.com or visit computerbusinessmarketing.com. Also, if you are listening to this on, on this podcast, I'm telling you, I can't talk today. If you can, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or even on YouTube, please be sure to give us a shout out and leave a review. We always love to hear the feedback of our fans and every comment that you put on there helps so that the podcast can be found by others out there. And finally, as we mentioned today, and as Matt had mentioned in the beginning of the show, don't forget to check out our sponsors, unconvention.io and Tech Site Builder. Thank you for checking out the Computer Business Marketing Show. This is Paco LeBron, again, your Chicago tech, saying here's to your success. Mm -hmm.